0: Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that isn't afraid to tackle any subject in the property world. And today's isn't the happiest one, frankly, but it does need discussing. We're looking at the time bomb of pests and diseases sitting right at the heart of our woodland and forests.
1: There is a potential to lose 120
0: million ash trees over the next 15 years. And we'll be asking, what can we realistically do about that?
2: There is going to be a really considerable cost of this. There's a a research project that valued ash dieback at 15 billion
0: pounds. I'm Guy Ruddle, and joining me are two of Savile's finest. Rupert Clark is Head of Estate Management. He provides advice and support to landowners across the country. And on the off chance that there's something he doesn't know, you can be sure that Mark Townsend will, because Mark is Savile's Senior Forestry and Arboriculture Manager. And if you heard him on Real Estate Insights back in March, you'll know that he knows everything. Gentlemen, lovely to have you in the studio. And I say lovely, but, you know, I, I've done a little bit of research for this, uh, and I'm looking through the list of threats to woodland and forest at the moment. It's To a layman, it's terrifying. Is it as bad as, as, as I imagine? Rupert? Well, uh, yes, is the
2: answer. I think it is. And um, we are facing a series of uh, threats from uh, various pests and diseases to our forests, our, our woodlands. Um, and uh, some of them are going to have a significant effect on the landscape uh, and, on, uh, and are going to be of significant risk to people.
0: Yeah, um, we'll get into the detail of, of, yeah. of what the big ones are in a second. But Mark, the is it worse than it's ever been, or is it is it just a process that there's always a threat of some sort? There's always been a
1: threat, but it is getting worse because of increasing global travel and increasing global trade. So that the number of new threats coming over the horizon has, has increased greatly over the last 50 years.
0: Right. So it is a serious topic and we need to, have to discuss it in a serious way. So let's, let's start then. What, what are the, if you had to pick out the three or two or three biggest threats to our woodland and forest in terms of disease and pests and the, and the like, what would they be right now?
1: I think the two biggest ones at the moment are um, ash dieback which is, from a tree perspective, very serious. And then the other one is probably oak processionary moth, and that's more of a human health issue. But they're both very um, important to the impact on the countryside.
0: Okay, so we'll deal with them one at a time. Uh, Before we get into the detail of ash dieback, Rupert, when you're out there talking to landowners, uh, are they aware of... This are they aware of issues like this?
2: This is really high on their agenda. So um, where where you have areas where there is a, a, a lot of ash, um, and ash can be found right the way across the country, um, landowners are are aware um, and know that they have a, a real threat, um, a risk that they've got to manage. Um, because um, as I'm no doubt we're going to discuss, um, ash will uh, uh, will fragment. It'll it'll uh, it has the potential to fall on people and um, and cause. Uh, injury or death so
0: ooh, blimey right uh, well, that escalated quite fast <laughs> <didn't it? laughs> so let's talk about it then this is the big one ash dieback is sort of the new dutch helm disease market i mean and did you ha- when people say that do you go oh for heaven's sake
1: uh i was i i hasten to say i wasn't around <laughs> at work right. during dutch helm disease okay. but i have read that yeah. it is worse um they reckon they lost we lost about 60 million elms in the hundred years or so since the Dutch elm first started being a problem in the nineteen twenties, there is a potential to lose hundred and twenty million ash trees really? over the next fifteen years. So in it could be twice 15 years. twice as bad as Dutch Elm disease, to wow. put it into context. So so
0: well what is it, first of all?
1: It's a, it's a fungus. It's uh, originated, they think, over in um, Asia and has slowly travelled across Europe through natural spread and and, uh, trade. And it kills the leaves and stops the tree being able to transport water. And that's why you see dieback in the tip, and that's why it's called ash dieback. So it slowly girdles the twigs and then branches and then stem and um, renders a tree um, unsound.
0: So and you end up with a sort of dry, sort of ho- almost
1: hollow, brittle, dry, brittle branches that, as Rupert mentioned, can can crack. Um, they can break and fall off uh, from the dieback, uh, and also the tree can then be more susceptible to secondary infection, which can mean that it's less stable at the base as well. So you've got risk overhead and from the whole tree peeling
0: out. And where is it in the in the country? Don't tell me everywhere.
1: Uh, it's spread across the whole country. It's really?
0: predominantly in the southeast, south and
1: east at the minute, but it has been reported in west country, Wales, up north, all over the country. Uh, Not so as densely as it is in the south and in the bottom
0: southeast quadrant. When you say 100 million, do you say 100 million ash trees over 15 years? Potentially, yeah. Six is that is that all of the ash trees that we've got? Potentially, mm. yes. Wow. It,
1: could, it could wipe out the ash in the same way that, that elms have been taken out of the of the landscape yeah and and those trees are made up of 60 odd million non-woodland trees and about the same number of um large woodland we're talking about trees here not saplings
0: um when we sorry sorry to interrupt we'll we'll talk a little bit about what the impact on on everyone's countryside at some point, a little bit later perhaps but for now rupert um For landowners who, we sort of briefly mentioned this, what what do they have to do and what responsibilities do they have and how can they mitigate if they can? Well, they have a duty of care to uh, the public. um, And a lot of these trees are alongside
2: roads and footpaths, bridleways and so on. And so they have to ensure that uh, they do whatever they need to do uh, to uh, protect the public. And that will mean carrying out uh, work to remove these trees, uh, having undertaken a risk assessment or a hazardous tree survey. And Mark will no doubt explain a bit more about uh, what you need to do there. Um, And they need to do that um, to prevent um, serious uh, tragedy problems, uh, accidents happening, um, and they also need to do it because if they aren't seen to be managing their trees properly, uh, then that has the, the potential for voiding their insurance policy. Really?
0: Is there anything they can do to to stop their trees being infected? No. Simply? No. <laughs> it's it's, it's an airborne right. fungus. Right. It's airborne spores. And there's no, you, you can't spray you can't, the tree to protect it? No. It's going to go. Every ash tree, Pretty it, much every ash tree in the UK is going to go. There are going to be some, aren't there, There's Mark? going to be a bit of genetic
1: variation, so there might be the odd tree that's um, got a bit of natural resistance, but the, the scientists think it's probably less than 5% of the natural population. And there are breeding programs now to try and identify. Bear in mind that Europe are 20 years ahead of us. There are breeding programs and screening to try and identify trees that
0: might be a bit more tolerant. And um, what uh, i'm ashamed to say i don't really know what sort of percentage of our trees are are ash you know that will it will it have a very significant impact on the way the countryside looks yes. in 15 years percent time. of our woodland is ash wow really? and it'll vary across
2: the country yes, as to the percentages varies. so yeah. down in the south it'll be rather more than so 12 percent
0: so the impact on landscape is going to be very very significant Can you chop them down now and get the timber sale right now? I mean, if I I had a load of ash trees in my massive estate, uh, well, wherever it isn't, um, could I just say, well, they haven't got it yet, but they're going to have it in five years' time, so let's just take them all out. There's a timing issue here. So there is timber
2: value there at the moment, uh, and the answer is therefore yes. Uh, But once they've contracted the disease, then that timber value falls away very quickly, um, and there are a a load of uh, branches and dust um, and taking them down uh, once they get into that state is much harder uh, than it is if you were taking them down in a, in a uh, decent, healthy uh, state. Yeah. Uh, you can climb as a, as a tree surgeon and take down the tree when it's in a decent state. Uh, but if it's got ash dieback, um, then you won't be climbing it. You'll be using mechanical means to take it down.
0: So is there any reason not to do it now for a landowner not to, to take out all his, his healthy ash trees right now?
1: The, the the Forestry Commission would argue that they don't want premature felling. They don't want people going out clear felling all their ash. Because in, in theory, if there is 5% that's got degree of tolerance, by cutting them all down, you could be cutting down the resilient population. And so waiting to see what happens. The other thing is is whether or not there's a glut already on the market. So you, you don't want to be feeding that glut and there are other issues around woodland management that you might not want to go and wholesale fail an area, but you'd want to be looking at your plan, your woodland management plan, and depending on where you are in the country, you want to react to what you see. So if you're in the southeast, you're probably a little bit short on time. If you're more up towards the Midlands and up towards the Cotswolds, and you might be you have a bit more time to plan what you're going to do. But that's the important thing, is to appreciate that this is going to happen, and you are Best minded to think about it now and planning what you're going to do over the next five to ten years as appropriate.
0: I'm feeling a bit down about this now, so can we talk about something else? Can we talk about oak processionary moth? Which I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but this is another mark, another threat to obviously not ash trees, but but um, clearly to oak trees. Yes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that and how much of a threat it is. The the issue with opium is not so much oak processionary moth is not so much to
1: trees, but to people. Um so oak processionary moth was first imported into the UK in two thousand and nine, into two sites in London, and since then it has spread pretty much throughout London and can be found in most of the thirty-three London boroughs, and is now spreading around the countryside. It's been found in sixty new sites up and down the country. And the issue is that the, the, the caterpillar stage of the moth has toxic hairs, which cause at the, the bottom end of the, the symptoms a minor rash, but in susceptible people, and it is it is rare, can go all the way up to anaphylaxic
0: reactions. Right, okay. Um, and it, sorry, go ahead. So on, it's a health
1: and safety yeah. issue, human health and safety issue. And,
0: and this is a, a, a moth that's, that's caterpillars live on, feed on oak
1: trees, right? Yeah. They're, they are specific to oaks and will only very rarely feed on any other tree species, depending on population pressures. I, I, I have been involved in management of OPM since 2010. I've been unfortunate to be on the receiving end of the rash more than once.
0: Really,
1: Every time you get it, it gets worse. Um, it's a bit like people who are susceptible to bee stings. Um, and so I have people who've worked, who I've worked with who now cannot work in oak trees because they're that sensitive to oak processionary moth
0: customer really Um, and and what can we uh, you know I I hesitate to ask this because the answer to the last question of what can we do about it with Ash Dieback was nothing is there something we can do about this
1: yes um, (laughs) yeah but it's not going to cheer you up either so Uh, (laughs) go on then I mean the other side look at it is they've been dealing with it in Europe for 20 years longer than we have and they still go out and enjoy their countryside they still go out and enjoy parks and it is just m- managed sensibly so that if you have oak processionary moth near a playground or high use areas, then you need to do something about it. You can spray the trees pretty effectively. That kills the, the caterpillars in springtime. You can do nest removal to get rid of the toxic hairs that persist in the environment. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to hamper people's enjoyment of open spaces.
0: And Rupert, that's a sort of landowner responsibility as well, whether they are a council or a charity or a, or, or a private landowner. Well,
2: it is, but it can only be targeted because the scale of the thing is such that uh, spraying um, large areas of woodland um, is, is impractical. Um, that the, uh, the Forest Commission do require it in yes. certain areas, and yes. Mark can give more yes. on that. Um, but uh, there are some impracticalities here, oak trees are quite big trees for a start. I mean, it's praying an oak tree is not uh, yeah. not the most easy thing to do. Um, but it's I suppose the big issue is, is uh, Mark's talked about the risk to uh, to human health. Um, so it's it, the risk is to those who um, enjoy time in the, in a park or along footpaths, bridleways. But it's also employees of uh, estate owners and farmers who are working in the woods or working near the woods, uh, who we need to think about. <laughs>
0: So this list that I've got in front of me of, of pests and diseases, pests and diseases is one, two, three, it's about twelve well, nine, ten long, and then there are a few that are not, threats that haven't arrived here
2: yet. I, I think if you go on the Forestry Commission website, the Forest Research website, yeah. you'll find 35 that uh, I believe are here, yeah. um, in which they will describe to you if you're interested.
1: And then there's even more coming over the horizon and in forest commission forest research therefore always horizon scanning to make sure that that they are aware of risk of what might be coming along
0: and so i mean we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier but that is there a, is has there something changed that there are more threats now than there were there used to be in the past or i mean i know you talked about the sort of the, yeah we're more yeah. global and all that sort of but are, are is it is there a climate thing maybe i don't know or is there a is there a way we're better at identifying stuff? What? So
1: um, oak processionary moth was imported. Ash dieback was either imported or imported across Europe and its spread has accelerated through human tra- traffic. Uh, the other big ones are in Europe, the far, uh, eastern Europe and North America is emerald ash borer. Again, that was imported from the Far East into America in packing material. Uh, Asian longhorn beetle, which was found in Kent a few years ago and now has been eradicated, that was found in packing material that had been brought in with material from Asia. So there is a, there is a pattern of humans moving pests around, pest diseases around the world and where they are in their indigenous um, environment, it's not a problem because the pest and the host have co-evolved together, so there isn't this cataclysmic effect. But when you import a pest and disease into a new environment it it just runs away with it because there's no natural defenses in the system and and that's that is unfortunately what is driving a lot of um the increase in in pest and diseases and i, and I don't think glo- climate change or is anywhere near as big an impact as as human activity mm-hmm. direct activity rather than the, the effects of humans have on climate change
0: and rupert just as a final thought we've talked about landlord owners responsibilities in terms of health and safety and their staff and all that sort of stuff do you think they have a responsibility as custodians of the, of the landscape to if they can't mitigate this at least replace so for instance with ash dieback do you think they have a a responsibility to plant either different types of trees or the more resistant types that that um that Mark was talking about earlier?
2: Well, they probably have a responsibility. They certainly have, um, from a commercial perspective, they, they need to think very carefully... Um, how they manage all aspects of their land and all the asset classes they have um, within their business. And forestry is one of them, Uh, whether that's commercial forestry or amenity woodland. And so they will need to uh, reflect on it. And uh, if you're felling trees uh, that are alive, uh, you need a felling license to do so. And a a condition of the felling license will be to replant. So uh, there is going to be a really considerable cost of this Uh, there's a a research project that um, was uh, published its results um, or the results of which were published uh, back in May undertaken by Oxford University and the Woodland Trust amongst others uh, which valued ash dieback at 15 billion pounds
0: so we've reached the point of the Savile standout statistic who wants to go first Mark, you look—you look more ready than Rupert. <laughs> What's your Savile standout statistic today? That
1: each person needs seven trees to generate their oxygen every year. So, yeah. how many trees do you need in your lifetime to give you the oxygen to stay alive?
2: So, but, the impact of ash dieback is yes. is significant in yeah. that context. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, if we're losing that many trees, yeah, that's having a massive impact on air
0: air quality and everything else just shouldn't have started this Rupert it's a depressing
2: subject, isn't it? But I've already given you my statistic, and that's the value of this, or the cost of this, which is 15 billion
0: pounds. Yeah, 15 billion pounds. 15 billion pounds. But
2: can I just say, that out of these sort of um, problems will come positives, I've no doubt. And if we cast our mind forward 20, 30 years' time, I'm sure the landscape will be looking absolutely fine. It will have regenerated it yes, itself, really. um, and it'll, it'll be fine. There
1: are, there are some estates where, ash hasn't been managed over the last 50 years and this gives an opportunity to to restructure the woodlands get more species diversity in the woodlands and age diversity so there is an opportunity here for better managed woodlands going forwards
0: thank you for your wisdom thank you for your positivity at the end there Uh, that's it for this episode of real estate insights if that all if all that's done is left you thinking you need to know more about this or other subjects to do with forestry or rural affairs or anything like that then just go to the Savils, the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. Lots of research there and blogs. I know Mark's got a... Are you, did you do a blog about uh, uh, the moths? Yes. Yeah, so you can find out more about oak processionary moth, which I finally learned to say, uh, and all sorts of other things. And if you're not already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights, then please feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider. You can go backwards to all sorts of episodes that we've done in the past, and there'll be plenty more coming in the future. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time.
1: This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savils accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to, or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savils makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast.